0: Hello everyone, I am Chrissy Baki, the Hippie Christian Who Cares, and it is Christmas time. Well, actually, in the church calendar, it is actually called Advent. It is the time before Christmas arrives that we prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And so, well, we all know it's Christmas time. We don't really call it "event" in the secular world, and we know the whole story. And so, we're just celebrating Jesus every day of the year, and especially at Christmas because we just need a whole lot of Jesus in our life. And so, I am excited because I would like to talk about the people of the nativity, and the people that are called out in the Bible who are part of the Christmas story. And so, who better to start with than the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ? And she is the chosen human that would help bring Jesus into the world. And I find it so amazing because When you think about it, and I just thought of this today, and maybe I've heard it somewhere along the line, let's be honest, I probably rip off stuff from pastors and other podcasts and things I've learned, but I think I just connected this today as I was preparing. Eve would be the human and woman who would bring sin into the world. She was, in fact, the first to eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in which God said, don't eat it. But Mary would be the human, the woman, who would be a literal vessel for bringing redemption into the world. Ponder that for a minute. In Genesis 3.15, it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel." That is God speaking to Satan in the form of the serpent to say that from a woman would come a child who would rule over you. And, of course, when we read it, we know and understand that that would be Mary and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So then fast forward years and years and years and years later to Luke chapter 1, 26, 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. How awesome is that? Here you have Eve, who has sinned and brought sin into the world. And now you have Mary, who has found favor with God. And the good news is, God forgave Eve, but there were definitely consequences. And so he calls Mary to be the answer to this scripture of Genesis. That her offspring will be the one to overcome sin and death in Satan. And that's just so exciting. And so the interesting thing, though, is... We really only hear about Mary in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And while all of them do mention her, Matthew tells the story of the birth of Christ really from more of Joseph's perspective. It talks a little bit about how clearly Joseph was like my engaged to be bride is pregnant and I know it's not mine. So this is a problem. Probably have to kind of like divorce her on the side before I actually marry her. But he didn't want harm to come on her because she could have been stoned to death. So he's just going to do this like, you know, on the down low and an angel comes and appears. And so that's Matthew. And I digress on the whole joseph thing cuz let's be honest who would believe her it would just be unbelievable mark talks about her uh, honestly like a typical mom um chapter 3 and chapter 6 really are just speaking in a way that connects her to being the mother of christ and being a family member And like I said, quite honestly, just from a mom perspective, John has her talking, has Mary at the first miracle of Jesus um, and also at the crucifixion. And I think that's kind of interesting too, from the very first miracle to his greatest miracle Wow, like she's there from the get-go. She's in all the way to the finish. But Luke, Luke is where we get the full story. We get to learn a whole, whole lot about Mary in Luke. And so let's talk a little bit, though, about Mary and some things that we know and some things that we don't know. It's interesting because in the Old Testament the prophets absolutely prophesy about the coming of a Messiah and the birth of Christ. And in Isaiah 7:14 it says therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. I love that verse, but that's because when I read it, I know Emmanuel, which means God with us, which means Jesus, and it just is awesome. And so even though it says, Behold the virgin, we know based on Luke that that virgin would become. Mary, and that virgin would be Mary, I should say. Um, Revelations 12, one through six, pretty long verse and pretty complicated verse, but it does make reference to the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it, she gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Seems to point to Mary, right? And then we know that the Gospels speak of Mary. And then in Acts, which is the epistles, right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John comes Acts. And it is um, still speaking of when Jesus is here on earth after his resurrection, when he ascends, acts one through 14, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So Mary is at the crucifixion and she is also at the ascension. And so we, we know some things that the Bible points out. The rest, we have to sort of look to history and and things that we know. But all of this is stuff that we can kind of assume or guesstimate without being 100% accurate, because it's not, Stated specifically. So, meaning like Mary was young, because in that day and age, in that moment in history, women were usually betrothed to be married as early as like 12 and a half, um, and probably before they turn like 17 or 18. So, You know, somewhere in that really almost early teen age is when Mary was being called to be the mother of Christ. So a lot of times people have her probably at around 15. And I don't know, maybe because that's more tolerable than thinking of a a 12-and-a-half-year-old having to... Pregnant and deliver a baby. Whoa. But we know that she's young. We also know that, and for somebody so young, she's clearly spiritually mature, clearly knew God and loved God and worshiped God because he looks upon her with favor the favored one. This young girl is chosen out of all the women in the world. Wow. And how does she respond? She says, I am the Lord's servant. Amazing. We know that she's pledged to be married, which means she's not married yet, which would typically indicate that she hasn't had sex with Joseph yet. Sorry to put it so graphically, but Let's be honest, that's what it means. And she even specifically says when Gabriel says she's going to have baby Jesus, she's like, whoa, 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 hold on. How's this going to happen? Like, I'm a virgin. Like, she's probably not even really fully aware of that whole procedure anyways. And he says, yeah, don't worry, it's going to be this immaculate conception. Like there's no sex involved. You're still a virgin and all is good. And so it doesn't specifically talk about her telling, like there's no conversation between her and Joseph in there. We know that in Matthew, Joseph just plain and simply doesn't believe her, but it never gives us the full conversation. That had to have been difficult, right? Because seriously, who's going to believe you? Oh, I'm having God's baby. What? I mean, come on. You kind of can't blame Joseph. But on the other hand, who makes that stuff up? And so Joseph has to get divine intervention through um the angel as well. So she's pregnant and she goes to visit Elizabeth because the angel Gabriel even says, your relative Elizabeth, probably cousins are what they are because John the Baptist would be Jesus's cousin. And so he said, even Elizabeth is pregnant in her old age nothing is impossible with God. It's like one of those amazing Bible verses that you always want to recall because nothing is impossible with God. And so that's why we always give everything to God. And so she goes to be with Elizabeth and maybe because she wants to be with somebody else that's pregnant. Maybe she wants to be with somebody who is understanding divine intervention and God doing something impossible in their lives. And maybe she wants to also just get away a little bit because she could be in a lot of trouble being pregnant, but she goes to visit Elizabeth. And when she goes to visit Elizabeth, Elizabeth 100% knows that this is the mother of our Lord and Savior. And even her baby, who is John and who would be D- John the Baptizer, leaps in her womb. So that Elizabeth is spirit filled when Mary walks in because the presence of Christ is there. And she's spirit filled, and even in vitro little baby john the baptist is spirit filled and he leaps in her womb and so we also know that she travels to bethlehem it they have to register for the census And they have to go to the town in which they are from, which Joseph is from the line of David. So he needs to go to Bethlehem and it is 90 miles away from Nazareth, 90 miles. Like I thought I was cool for walking 13.1 miles and I was not nine months pregnant, but 90 miles Most people could probably get through about 20 miles in a day, but probably because Mary was pregnant, nine months pregnant, and it was cold and all kinds of stuff. People have assumed that maybe it was more like 10 miles a day and that it would take Over a week, like maybe nine days, because nine times 10 is 90, and they went 90 miles. Duh. Like, I'm real good at math, okay? But seriously, those are things that we guess at, those are things that we estimate, and that we use just the contextual clues that the Bible gives us and match it to things that we know are true to say, but also I read that most likely based on the time of year, and I don't even know how they would know that, that it was probably thirty degrees a rainy. Like yuck. That would be freezing. And so a lot of um wool clothing on and layers and stuff like that. And you're nine months pregnant. Oh my gosh, I hate bundling up for winter sometimes because it's so much clothing and then you get in the you get in the store and you're hot, you get in your car and you're hot, but you probably don't get hot riding on a donkey. You know what I'm saying? But how uncomfortable. And so we know that it was probably also dangerous because it's not like you're in a locked car driving safely on a highway. You're going through rough terrain. You're probably traveling in the dark, whether it's morning darkness or evening darkness, and there are animals that are around. So like wild boars, I heard, ooh yuck, and bears and craziness. So that's also it. And so then she gets to Bethlehem and thinks, great, you know, at least (laughs) be able to lay down. Yeah, only not because now it's taken you nine days to get there and you can't lay down because there's no room anywhere. And most likely they would have stayed with a relative um, or some sort of, you know, I was going to say descendant, but that's not the way it goes, but you know, somebody in their family. And when they get there, there's just nobody has any space except for this one innkeeper who does at least have sort of this cave slash stable slash barn area, which most scholarly, um, oh, I can't think of the right word. Theologians is the right word. Most theologians say that that type of area for animals would be cave-like. So at least it gets them out of, somewhat out of the cold and a place to rest. But she's also in labor, right? The, the Bible does not specifically mention what animals? They say that she lays Jesus in a manger, which we know is where animals drink from. Speaking of a drink, I'm on a roll, so I don't want to stop, but I kind of needed a little drink. So that was a perfect little segue for me to get a drink. So we don't really know. And it's funny because we often put like a cow and a lamb and a donkey, and we don't really know what animals were in there, but it's kind of cool. I like having the idea of a lot of animals, but probably it could have been like horses and donkeys because it could have been kind of like a garage and they didn't have cars, they just rode things. So, could have easily just been donkeys and horses. Who knows? We get to talk about that, and I kind of like that because there's some really cool Christmas carols about animals, um, and that part's just kind of fun to think about. What I find most fascinating, though, is through all of this and uh, after delivering Jesus in these Horrible conditions. Mary treasures these things and ponders them in her heart. Wow. Her responses during all of this are unbelievable, not only for a girl her age, but also for a human in general to take all this on go through all of this and have these responses so the first response is to gabriel and of course she says like how can this be i'm a virgin and when gabriel explains her response then is i am the lord's servant let it be so. Like, oh my goodness, she is instantly ready to serve the Lord. Then when she goes to visit Elizabeth, this is before Jesus is even born, in Luke 1, verses 46 through 55 this is mary's response and i am going to read it because this has become an absolute staple in millions of churches and it's known as the magnificat magnificat (laughs) now i'm just circ de soleing the word the magnificat um, otherwise known as Mary's Song. And I know, Susie, you're laughing right now. <laughs> I completely botched up the word Magnificat. But that's the word, and I got it. And so feel free to everyone make fun of me. But it's just not worth editing out because we Cirque "désolé" sometimes with our own words, and it's funny. So Mary's Song, verse Luke 1. 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers, wow, Mary, before she even delivers Jesus is glorifying God. And this version says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices In other versions, it's my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices, which is where the Magnificat comes from. And so how often do we glorify the Lord that way? It's a beautiful response. So then she goes and has... She travels to Bethlehem in horrendous conditions and long haul. And I don't even care if the weather was beautiful. You're nine months pregnant, riding on a donkey, probably having all kinds of labor pains the closer you get and gets to Bethlehem and she's going to have this baby. It says the time came. So we don't know if, The time was an hour after she got there, or a day after she got there, but I don't care. She's probably not well rested if she's sleeping in a stable. And so the shepherds get news from the angel who says, For unto us a son is born. And so they go, they visit, and it's, and then they go tell everybody. And it says, Mary, treasured these things in her heart and and, and pondered these things. Um, She treasures these things and ponders them in her heart. Mary's responses say a lot about her and give us a ton to think about and learn from. So seriously, let's go through them real quick and talk about what we can learn from them. I'm going to talk about what I can learn from them. She says, I am a servant. Shouldn't we all serve God? God has created us and given us everything we could possibly need and provides for us and keeps his promises. And so why don't we all react to God in a servant way? He's not asking us to carry Jesus Christ and deliver the Messiah into the world. He's not asking us to do what Mary was asked to do. So, oh my gosh, shouldn't we show God that kind of servanthood? The Mary song, the Magnificat, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. That alone is I found incredible as I read it today and as I read it to you. I don't know if, and I'm just pondering here because I'm trying to think of any time where I have magnified the Lord. I feel like I have Definitely praised the Lord. I have rejoiced in the Lord. I've given thanks to the Lord. But have I magnified? Has my soul magnified this? Has my soul truly put it under the microscope and looked at it so up close and personal? I think there are moments on Easter morning when my soul has magnified the Lord. I think there is that moment in my life where my children were born or my grandchildren were born and my soul magnified the Lord. I feel like the moment that Jesus came and picked up my mom to go to heaven, my soul felt the magnitude of that moment. And those are probably the closest times that I can say my soul magnified The Lord, and I don't even know that I can truly take that kind of credit for it um, because I'm not that good of a human. But my goodness, I want to be like Mary, I want to feel the impact of all that God gives to me in that in grace and mercy. God looked upon Mary with favor, and that is almost merciful because as a human, she didn't deserve to be the mother of Jesus, but God chose her because he looked upon her with favor and gave her grace and mercy, and he gives us grace and mercy, and what I love in her song is she says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Sounds a little arrogant, except for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. She keeps pointing back to God. She says, all glory is given to God. And that is something that we need to do as well. So there's a whole, whole lot to unpack. And I always love that because that's super churchy. We're going to now just dig deep and unpack what it says in the Bible. And it's just easy because you are sort of taking verse out (laughs) by suit, you know, like you're taking something out of a suitcase. So it is like you're unpacking it, but it is super overused. And I just over... (laughs) used it. Now I feel like I'm ripping on any of my Bible study friends or my pastor or any other churchy person who says, let's unpack that. But it's just a little on the corny side. So real point is, if you look at Luke 1, 46 through 56, there is just a ton in every verse. You can pick something out of there and talk about. And I bet yeah, I could have done an entire podcast on just that. I probably couldn't have, but, you know, s- scholarly theologians could. Um, and I could if I really worked at it. I just want to scratch the surface with you because I want you to investigate yourself and maybe say, Chris, I read it and I think you're crazy. I think it meant this, this, and this. And so always feel free to share what you think. The next one, I'm not kidding. It does make me laugh a little bit because it said, Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. And it takes me back to When I got to be Mary in the Christmas play, I was in like seventh grade though. So while every girl, every churchy girl wants to be Mary, um, and, and maybe they don't, but I'm a super big geek. So I always wanted to be Mary. It crosses the line when you get to seventh grade, don't get me wrong. I still wanted to be her. And yet somehow getting up in front of the entire congregation dressed up in that light blue, which, come on, did she wear light blue? I don't know. Did she probably just have some actual beautiful Hebrew tapestry? I don't know. But it was like white and light blue outfit that you see classic Mary in. And then ninth grade, no, he was eighth grade, eighth grade Joseph Joseph. He was a year older than I was, and I didn't know him very well, and we weren't friends, but we weren't not friends. I mean, it wasn't a bad thing, but I just didn't want Howie to put his hand on top of my head when I was pondering these things in my heart. Yeah, that's one of those church lady director of the Christmas play idea. Joseph, why don't you put your hand on Mary's head? Gross. Who would get your hand off my head, Joseph? I just had a baby. Why don't you do something? Oh my gosh. I'm ruining the whole entire point of Mary treasuring these things and pondering them. Because I was pondering how do I get Howie's hand off my head right now? This is embarrassing. So let's go back and unpack that. Mary has just gone through all kinds of craziness. Her body has to be in shock and somehow she is able to still treasure these things, treasure the birth of this baby, this birth of her tiny little baby, Jesus. And how excited is she to be the mother of our Lord and Savior? Because, yeah, she knows God told her. Gabriel gives her the message of God and says he will be our savior. And I think that is so awesome. And we, too, should treasure the things that God has given us and all that he's given us the savior. Like we get to treasure the savior too and ponder it. Think about it. And, and you do get to read these parts and wonder, does it mean this? Does it mean this? And what does it mean to me specifically? So while you ponder, I'm going to move to a commercial break real quick. Mary is definitely extraordinary. I almost want to call her like superhuman because of all that she endured to have Jesus, but all that she would endure. She says that everyone will call her blessed. And we do. And in some denominations of Christianity, they regard her very very highly and very very holy and i i think that's fair mary is human though she definitely was not god she was a human in which god chose to use to be the mother of the human Jesus that is also human and God. And so Mary doesn't get that God part. She just gets, she just gets credit for allowing God to use her. And, and, you know some would say did she have a choice but they came to her and said hey you are favored by god and she agrees and so so we definitely revere her she is the mother of jesus christ and she should be revered and she should be held in sort of high esteem is what i say not in the way that that we worship Jesus. We, we're not to worship her, we're not. We're not to pray to her. Because we give that to God. You know, there there are no other gods and that includes Mary. Cuz she is human and God is God. But she is definitely Extraordinary and is definitely to be revered and to be held in high esteem. She was there at the conception, at the birth of Christ, to his death. Hello, a mother watching her son be tortured and crucified. And she's there when he resurrects, not there at the moment, but she is on earth and witnesses his resurrection return to earth. And she's also there at the ascension. And that was news to me. I did not realize that we hear of Mary, and I've read the Bible a couple times. And it must have just gone right past me. But in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So she is there at the ascension of Christ. That is powerful, powerful stuff. She teaches us that we can love God and through it all, through everything, and we're not going to go through all of what Mary went through and still be faithful to God. She went through all of that and continued to be faithful to God while she was here on earth. We don't know how Mary died. We don't have any record Of that. There are lots of um, guesses on that. But we know that she was there for his conception, his birth, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. And through it all, she remains faithful to God. In this time of Christmas and Advent, I don't know about you, but I'm a gigantic lover of the Christmas music, and we hear all kinds of songs about Mary. It also makes me think of the song, Let It Be, which is not a Christmas tune, and it's not about Mary, the mother of Jesus. It's actually about Mary, the mother of Paul McCartney. Fun fact, right? Yeah, one time, Paul McCartney had a dream in which his mother, P.S., her name was Mary, comes to him in his dream, and so thus the song, Let It Be. But it kind of is cool to think of Mother Mary, as in Jesus' mother coming to your bedside. I'd be all for that, because Mary is my girl. She is girl power all the way, and does it in a way that is respectful to her husband Joseph and respectful to God and yeah I have a lot to learn from Mary and so um, back to the Christmas music though there's the song Mary did you know my personal favorite and I would recommend y'all YouTube it is Kenny Rogers and Winona Judd I'm not even joking when I say that I think their version of Mary Did You Know is beautiful. My favorite of all the versions. And I know a lot of people love the acapella people who do it, but not me. Sorry, I love Kenny and Winona real good. But in that song... I am like, yeah, she knew. She did know because the Bible tells us she knew. Gabriel came and he said, you are favored by God and you are going to have this baby whose name would be Jesus and he will be our Savior. Did she know the extent of what she would be signing on to? Did she know that this baby would deliver us? Via death on a cross probably not because you probably wouldn't sign on to that but somehow there had to have been a little bit of shock and awe in thinking I'm being asked to be the mother of God Wow so I say let's be like Mary let's say yes to God, and that this is the season in which we have the opportunity to prepare to celebrate the birth of Christ and the opportunity to say yes to God in lots and lots of ways. Come back next week because we're going to talk more about some of these people of the Christmas story. And I think we're going to continue to have a really good time. So happy Advent, everybody. I'm excited to do this series.